Good morning, friends. Uh, owing to the fact that uh, this past week I contracted type A flu, I was not able to personally deliver today's message in my usual place, but I still wanted to record it and share it with my listeners. Today's message is titled Soldier and Servant. It's based on Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, the baptism of Jesus. There is a story about the 41st president, George H.W. Bush. It seems the senior Bush was touring a nursing home. As he walked down the hall with his entourage of aides and reporters, he came upon one old man who was slowly making his way in the opposite direction. The president reached out, took the patient's hand, and asked gently, Sir, do you know who I am? The man stared back blankly for a moment, then his eyes focused. Slowly he shook his head from side to side. No, he admitted, I don't know who you are. But if you ask the nurses, they can tell you. Well, when the voice from heaven spoke, no one had to guess who Jesus might be. The Holy One of Heaven said, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. That statement demands a personal reflection for followers of Jesus. If the life of Jesus was lived in a way that pleased the Heavenly Father, it ought to be our goal in life to live as he did. And so we ask, what kind of life pleases Jesus? There are many words with which we could frame an answer to that question. In the body of Christ, we have a kind of shorthand that covers it. We could say that following Jesus in a way that is pleasing to God is living out our baptism as well. It's like the old saying, if you're going to talk the talk, you'd better walk the walk. These shorthand statements are another way of saying that our life in Christ demands faithfulness. It's kind of faithfulness that's 24-7, 365 kind of faithfulness to the promises of our baptism. The baptismal covenant of our church contains those promises that you and I are made, that you and I made at our baptism or our confirmation. These are some of the identifying marks of a baptism lived out. These are what separate the way God's people live from those who live the unexamined life. Today, let's examine these a little deeper, and I'm going to separate these into two pictures, the servant of Christ and the soldier of the cross. Let's start with the servant of Christ. Paul used this term to describe himself when he wrote to the churches of Galatia and Colossae, all believers are servants of Christ. You can tell the servant by the distinguishing marks of service. There is the humble servant. Jesus exhibited the life of a humble servant, so living out our baptism as a servant calls for humility, just as the master himself was humble. This is not a task too great or too small that we should not be willing to attempt in his name. Then there is the obedient servant. Obedience is certainly a characteristic of humility, but in Mark's gospel, there is a special significance. In verse 10, it says that as Jesus came up from the water of his baptism, the heavens were torn apart. Actually, it was like a violent rip. The only other time Mark used the word was the crucifixion scene where the temple veil is torn or ripped from top to bottom at the death of Christ. It's entirely possible that here Jesus sees the end of his mission, the cross. It's not a pretty sight 
for Jesus as we imagine this inspiring scene to me. As we joke about Thanksgiving that it's a wonderful meal except for the one who provided the drumsticks, Jesus knows what's ahead. The Father says words in heaven that have been spoken before in the Son's presence. In Isaiah 42.1 it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Above everyone in attendance that day, Jesus knew justice could only come with the shedding of blood, his blood, for man's sins. Only by obedience and sacrifice would Jesus continue to delight the Father. And you know, friends, it's that way for us. Baptism is a matter of obedience. But it begins at the baptismal font with no but if it begins at the baptismal font with no ongoing obedience, where is the servanthood? The servant of Christ living out his baptism is humble and obedient to his master. A second identifying mark of Christian baptism being lived out is the soldier of the cross. In Disney's The Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa stumble across young Simba the Lion, who has a guilty conscience. They teach him their life's problem-free philosophy, akuna matata. For Timon, it means, according to fantasy land language, no responsibility, no work, no worry. It is safe to say that if you want a life, lifetime of bliss and easy listening, easy living, living, you better plan on living in Disney World's cartoon studio because in the real world, it just ain't so. Baptism is not the beginning of irresponsibility. It is an enlistment in the army of the Lord. And why an army? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, because there's temptation ahead. When Jesus came out of the baptismal waters, the Spirit led him right into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. There's not much room for akuna matata when you're going and doing hand-to-hand combat with Satan. God instructs us in Scripture to run from temptation the minute you see it. The reason is that the Lord knows we're not very good at resisting it. Maybe you heard about the skinflint preacher who reluctantly agreed to let his wife take the credit card shopping. He warned her over and over to resist the temptation to buy things they couldn't afford. She promised and left for town. She came back with a mink coat and a charge slip for $5,000. The husband, who I naturally hit the roof, he yelled, I told you to resist the temptation. You should have turned and run from that old devil. She replied, Dear, I did just as you said. I heard Lucifer whispering in my ear how good that mink looked on me, and I turned and ran. But you still bought it, whined the preacher. I couldn't help myself, she cried. When I turned around to run, he said, It looks good from this side, too. See, the reason we are soldiers of the cross is that temptation is a spiritual battle. And second, we're soldiers of the cross because there's opposition and loneliness ahead. All you have to do is read a few verses past our text in Mark 5, and you find Jesus is not only tempted in the wilderness, his cousin John the Baptist is arrested and thrown in prison. Eventually he is beheaded for preaching his message of repentance, the same message Jesus would later preach. Opposition and isolation are the twins you will know well if you will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, people join churches every year, 
and eventually drop out, complaining that Christianity, quote, doesn't work or isn't worth the effort. Soldiers understand opposition. They were taught to fight because their main purpose is conflict. Many people join the church because they're under the impression it's a safe haven from trouble. And then they find out they're supposed to be a soldier in the middle of it. And so they go AWOL. Friends, spiritual warfare is not for the faint-hearted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, quote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Unquote. Opposition and loneliness are genuinely part of the Christian life, because that is what Christ experienced. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now we're soldiers because of temptation, opposition, and loneliness. And third, and this is the good news, it's because there is a crown ahead. The words ringing in everyone's ears that day as they watched Jesus emerge from the waters were, With you I am well pleased. It's the same phrase in the teaching of Jesus' parable when he told about the coming kingdom. And he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus encouraged us all in the words of John the Revelator when he told the persecuted church at Smyrna to be faithful right up until death and there would be a crown of life waiting. I remember being asked a question by a grade school teacher a long time ago. The question was, what are you going to do with your life? Now, like any other boy child, I began to respond in terms of a job or a career. I mean, most of us men identify ourselves as that which we do instead of who we're called to be. He stopped me dead in my tracks. No, he said, not how you'll earn a living. What are you going to do? with your life. You know, that question haunted me off and on until I made a decision about servant and soldier. The right decision, according to Scripture, is to serve God. But it's much more than being baptized, much more than a ceremony. It's kind of like marriage. People get married at a point in time. The pastor says, will you? The couple says, yep. And that's it, right? Well, of course not. That was just the marriage ceremony. The marriage then begins to unfold day by day, week to week, into decades, hopefully. Marriage is much more than a ceremony on one given day. Marriage is a journey of faithful living, giving, and loving. There is thoughtfulness and struggle, anger and joy. If it's a biblical marriage, there's servanthood and soldiering. There are times of plenty and times of scarcity. I don't think in terms of the fact that I got married. I am married. I am living out this covenant called marriage. Marriage is the metaphor Jesus chose to identify the relationship we have as baptized believers. We, the church, are the bride of Christ. And it isn't so much that we were baptized. It is more that we are baptized. So like the question my teacher posed long ago, what are you going to do? with your life, or better yet, what are you going to do with your baptism? Have you messed it up? Well, guess what? You can re-enlist as a soldier and come home as a servant. May God bless you. Amen.